It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mad Journalist, M-A-D-D Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 13 recap pod. Got a bunch of games to go through. We'll tell you guys how we did with our prop plays, DFS plays. And uh, kind of just recap, you know, our, our weekly stuff that we went through uh, throughout this entire week and talk about, you know, the results of the games. So, Chris, let's go ahead and start out here with New Orleans and Atlanta. New Orleans gets a win there, 21-16. I actually watched a little bit of this game, and then they just started to get kind of, oh, I guess you could say, like, kind of lulled to sleep a little bit. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't impress me today. Neither did really Taysom Hill. I think you had Ridley today in one of your props. I saw he had like 108 yards, and Michael Thomas had 105 yards. So uh, two of the big targets there for both of those teams stepped up, did rather well. How'd you? <clears throat> what'd you feel about that game today? Uh, yeah, Sleepy. So we went 6-0 and on this game. I had double-dip props on Ridley, Michael Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders, and they all came through. I just thought the Saints receiving lines were set too low coming into this game and that the books were uh, seemed like they were adjusting a little bit too much to that, uh, to that game against Denver where the saints just really didn't have to throw it all. Cause Denver didn't have a quarterback. So we basically took advantage of that. We had Thomas over five catches, Sanders over two catches, uh, both hit over their yards. Uh, Ridley wind up hitting for us uh, kind of in garbage time towards the end, but I mean, the Fal- Falcons were projected to be playing from behind late in this game. So we kind of expected that kind of baked into those props there. So very good prop day in this game. Uh, I saw a report today that it said that Drew Brees could actually possibly be back next week or at least very close to coming back. So we'll see what happens with that situation. But, um, you know, Taysom, Taysom Hill, it's funny, all the touchdowns he scored for the Saints, he had his first ever career passing touchdown today in the NFL. Actually had two of them, and we saw Alvin Kamara kind of have a get-right game, 15 carries, 88 yards. Now, obviously, we talked about Michael Thomas. I mean, he's seeing a near 40% target share with Taysom Hill at 11 targets today nine catches for 105 yards. And uh, no matter if Julio is healthy or not, uh, him and Ridley are both top 10 options, even when they're playing together. Uh, They both had 10 targets. They combined for, uh, you know, 20 targets, 11 catches, 200 plus yards in this game. So we we know where the targets are going in this offense. And we know how to take advantage of good matchups when it comes to the Falcons offense here. So um, pretty much not really anything crazy stood out to me. Uh, you know, we want to continue to fade running backs going up against the Saints. Their defense is only getting stronger week by week. And uh, we'll see what the status of Janoris Jenkins is. I think that definitely helped Ridley and Julio have good games today. And uh, possibly we could take advantage of that in the future. Uh, but overall, that's pretty much all I got in this game. You know, I was looking at Latavius Murray. I didn't end up plugging him into any of my DFS lineups or or any of that. I saw he kind of had a, a down day today, just 17 yards uh, rushing. <clears throat> I guess it was time for, you know, for the Saints to go in and uh, release Kamara, which I'm not actually surprised that that happened. Let's jump over to Detroit and Chicago. Detroit 34, Bears end up with 30. Uh, Bears end up blowing it there in the fourth quarter, not surprised. Uh, Stafford had a pretty big day, 402 yards and three touchdowns. Marvin Jones, I think he was probably going to be a guy, Chris, that a lot of people were targeting in fantasy. And again, there's another guy that I left out of my lineup. Uh, Jones had a big day, eight catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Our boy Montgomery, we had talked about him quite a bit uh, throughout the week. He ends up with 72 yards rushing there and two two TDs. He actually had 
four catches for 39 yards. So a big game for him. I think you and I were spot on with him. Didn't really notice anything, um, you know, for the Lions for that matter. But I guess it, for me, it was it was kind of Montgomery for us, uh, at least for myself in that game that that I was really banking on, and they did well. So I was happy about that. Um, I don't know, man. It looks like the Bears are pretty much cooked. I mean, they start out the season what five and one, then they lose uh, six games in a row. So that team's in uh, that team's in serious trouble. What'd you see in that game? Yeah, so uh, props to our Mackenzie Rivers. He had his best bet team total with the Detroit Lions going over, I believe it was 20 and a half, the pick he gave out on our Week 13 preview podcast, which comes out every Wednesday night. So you'll be hearing that soon from us as well on the podcast feed. But yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, despite the up and down quarterback play, you know, Foles is bad, Trubisky is bad, what have you. But we know where the production's going in this offense, and that makes it easy to target for props and for fantasy plays with David Montgomery getting almost all the groundwork and then Allen Robinson getting almost all the work through the air and Robinson's a target hog in this offense. I mean, he actually tied uh, with seven targets in terms of the team league with Cole Komet. Uh, Cole Komet had seven catches, had a t- uh, seven targets, five catches, had a touchdown. He's, he's basically made Jimmy Graham irrelevant in this offense. And uh, we hit both our props Montgomery over on rushing of 61 and a half. And then Allen Robinson receiving, uh, we said we were going to play that up to about 75. He wound up having, um, I believe, let's see, Allen Robinson in this game. What did he have? He had 75 yards in this game, which is about what he's been getting, uh, you know, week in and week out in this offense with the targets. So uh, you like what you see from there. It makes it uh, easy to invest in this offense, even though they might be inefficient overall. Uh, and then, you know, Marvin Jones, he was top five in air yards in week 12. And, and it, it showed even in a tough matchup, he had 12 targets, 116 yards. TJ Hawkinson had a big day. So you're basically looking at those two guys as as the majority of the offense until, you know, at least DeAndre Swift and or Kenny Galladay comes back. Uh, and we want to continue to target this Lions defense in terms of playing starting running backs, starting receivers against the Lions. Uh, their, their defense is really bad. They recently put Desmond Trufant on IR, and he wasn't even playing very well even besides that. But the backup's obviously not even as good as him. So, you know, we like what we see uh, in, in terms of that. We know where the targets are going in both these offenses for the time being. Uh, but these are, like you said, Sleepy, these are two kind of subpar teams. And, you know, whether the Lions came back and won this game or not, it's kind of irrelevant in terms of us handicapping for props and fantasy plays moving forward. Um, you mentioned Swift. I thought he was supposed to play today. Was he? Did he end up being like a late scratch or something? Yeah, so like uh, I, I guess he had some type of like non-COVID illness throughout the week. And then on top of that, they were saying reports out of the uh, the B reporters in Detroit were saying that, he was having some type of like uh, post concussion symptoms or some type of complications that were saying, oh, if he does, if he did play, he was going to be limited. Uh, and it just doesn't make sense for a, a rookie running back. If you're going to play him, he's going to be healthy enough to play and get his full workload. You know, why are you going to send him out and get, you know, five, 10 touches in this type of game? So you saw Adrian Peterson handle, handle a bulk of the work. Uh, and l- let's just kind of read the reports and see what the status of Swift is um, because the uh, Detroit Lions are hosting Green Bay. And even though Detroit's are going to be big dogs at home in that matchup in week 14, uh, if DeAndre Swift is healthy and ready to go, I mean, that's definitely a player we want to target in terms of maybe playing his over on rushing yards in that matchup. Yeah. Speaking of rushing yards, you just mentioned it. Like, you know, the bears end up with 140 yards rushing today between Montgomery and Patterson, which, you know, if I told you the bears rush for 140 yards, you probably wouldn't believe me, but I mean, they're going to have to go up against Aaron Jones at Detroit line defense. Uh, next week and then the week after that it doesn't get any easier uh you gotta win you gotta go play against derrick henry so uh maybe we go and we we start looking at some running backs uh going up against detroit let's jump over to our next game here 
Oh, this was a good one. Cleveland, Tennessee. Cleveland gets the win there, 41-35. I believe, I want to say maybe we maybe we were unanimous on our podcast with the Browns. Uh, we all kind of like the Browns, and, and they just jumped out uh, you know, to a massive lead. Then they just let their foot off the gas. They let Tennessee back in it. Uh, Derrick Henry did not have a good day today. 15 carries, 60 yards. And that was really just because, you know, Tennessee fell, they fell behind. But Corey Davis had a massive day for the Titans, 182 yards, 11 catches and a touchdown. Uh, I was really surprised with him. But, I mean, Baker Mayfield surprised the crap out of me today. 25-33 ends up with four touchdowns in that game. Uh, he looked good. He spread the ball around quite a bit. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a lot of big plays. Higgins, Peoples-Jones, Landry had a big day. Uh, he went over his catches. I don't think... I don't think Landry went over his yardage, but he did get in the end zone. That was cool. I had him to go ahead and score a touchdown. Now, that was an entertaining game, but you got to give credit where credit's due. The Browns are 9-3 and three this season. Um, they're not an easy out, man. It's, you know, they're they're that ground-and-pound team. It's just going to grind you down if they can end up, you know, keeping Baker, you know, motivated playing in, you know, this, this type of fashion. Uh, that's not going to be an easy team to go ahead and, and beat, you know, especially when the playoffs come. How'd you feel about that game, Chris? I know it was kind of lopsided, so – it kind of might make some of the stats look good, but how did you feel about that game overall? Yeah, well, I talked about on, on the preview pod again and also on our Money Picks player pod, podcast that we put out uh, Friday nights is that, you know, these are two typically type of like run-first run offenses, but on the flip side, these are two pass-funnel defenses that we wanted to target. So that's why we like Jarvis Landry and Fantasy Adam ranked as a top 20 option. I had Corey Davis ranked as a top 30 option, probably not even as high as I should have been on him. And A.J. Brown, I had inside the top five. Unfortunately for A.J. Brown, we actually hit the over on his props. So that was a good thing. But he actually got uh, got hurt very early in this game. Uh, wound up having to get his ankle taped up, but came back in and, and toughed it out. He wound up with seven targets overall, uh, four catches for 87 yards. He actually had a catch where he should have got into the end zone, but he literally fumbled the ball away, like right at like the half yard line. And one of his teammates recovered it. So just unfortunate in terms of if you had him in your fantasy lineup, you missed that, missed out on those extra six points there. But Corey Davis has been just as impressive in good matchups. And he had 12 targets, you know, you mentioned 11 catches, 183 yards. So uh, we like the target concentration in this offense again with AJ Brown and Corey Davis in the right matchups. And this is something we're going to benefit from throughout this entire month, I believe, where you're going to see opposing defenses try to stack the box and, and limit Derrick Henry and that's going to make Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Corey Davis very viable fantasy options for season long and for DFS on a week-to-week basis and look no further than week 14. Tennessee's minus seven right now at Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is a team where you can both run and pass on them, but they've been giving up a ton of production through the air. Again, we'll get we'll get into later with the Vikings. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much my overall thoughts. I mean, Nick Chubb's been very efficient. He's come off that injury looking very fresh and healthy whereas Kareem Hunt's actually been pretty banged up dealing with a thigh injury in practice the last couple of weeks. So they both had 14 carries. Uh, Chubb turned 14 carries into 80 yards and a touchdown. Hunt turned 14 carries into 33 yards. So you see the big difference in efficiency there overall. And I, I just think Sleepy, we'll talk about this a lot more in the week 14 preview pod, but I think the Browns might be a little overvalued coming off this game. Maybe even Baker Mayfield in terms of his props, but they're going to have a really tough test in week 14. Uh, they're home against the Ravens. And we'll see how Lamar looks when he plays Tuesday night. You'll see how the Ravens look in general. But I think that's going to be a real marker as to whether can this offense continue to move the ball in a tough matchup as opposed to a pretty, you know, cake matchup that that they had against a very bad Titans defense in this in this game here. Yeah, going back to 
you know, the Browns and the Ravens. I mean, that was the, that was the big opener for, for the Browns and it got smashed in that game. It turned out to be 38 to six as a final. So you would have to assume that the Browns are going to have revenge. I'm just curious what that line will come out as, you know, Chris, before we jump through our next game here, I do want to circle back to this Browns offense. Uh, You know, Odell Beckham goes out, he's gone. Higgins right now seems to be like the number two guy. It's just a guy maybe that I would say maybe goes in the next week, maybe even the week after as like a sneaky guy that we could probably go in, plug into our DFS. Maybe we go and start looking at him for player props. Yeah, I think so in the right matchups. I wouldn't do it against the Ravens next week. That's a primetime game, so that won't be on the main slate. But the the two weeks after that, in weeks 15 and 16, the Browns are at the Giants, then they're at the Jets. So absolutely in week 16 at the Jets, I mean, that's fantasy championship weekend, but also DFS. The Jets are a pass funnel defense, and we saw what the Raiders were able to do against them today. I mean, Darren Waller put up 200 yards, had an absolutely ridiculous receiving line. So in the right matchups where the Browns can air it out, I think they can take advantage of weak secondary. So I definitely like him there. Um, but uh, in terms of the Ravens, that's going to be a tough one. And then even the Giants are a tough one. You, you saw how they were able to hold down Seattle and get the upset win today. We'll get into that one too. But uh, uh, so I, I think that if you're looking at, you know, in terms of like a stash on your bench for the fantasy title, if you make it that far, uh, he could really come in handy, either him, Landry, or even Baker Mayfield as a streaming option in week 16 against the Jets. All right, good stuff in that game. Let's jump over to Miami and the Bengals. Miami gets a win there 19-7. to uh, Tua looked he looked decent. I, I guess it, it kind of took him a little while to go ahead and get the, get the motor running. Miles Gaskin was back in the offense. He had a pretty good day, 90 yards rushing. Didn't get in the end zone, though, unfortunately. Had uh, two catches, 51 yards. He looked okay. Tyler Boyd had a monster uh, catch in that game. He only had one catch. I was surprised for Boyd. Uh, only targeted four times, one catch at 72-yard touchdown. Um, I don't know, man. That, that, that Cincinnati passing game uh, looked rather bad. Brandon Allen's uh, 11 for 19. Hold on. Brandon Allen's 11 for 19, 153 yards. And then Finley comes in. Uh, he throws an interception. So uh, it just seems like I, I have a feeling that Cincinnati, at least your crew, um, they're going to end up with, with another – uh, probably a, a very high draft pick, so I'm sure you'll be happy about that. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. Like something with Tua, like he, he's sharp, but I think it just looks weird sometimes. Like seeing this guy throw the football lefty, um, it just—I don't know, man. There's just there's something missing, and I don't know if you're seeing it or or maybe I'm just completely out of my mind. But it just seems like there's something missing there with Tua. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm just watching all these good quarterbacks and it's like I'm comparing him to, um, you know, better competition. But just something seems like it's not right with him. And I'm not talking health-wise. I'm just talking like NFL caliber quarterback. I don't know. Something just seems off. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But Dolphins do get the win there today, 19-7. to What would you see? No, I actually agree with you 100%. Actually, I make a couple notes for each game for the recap podcast that we do. And we had the, we took the last couple of weeks off because of Thanksgiving holidays and whatnot. But, you know, we typically do this podcast every Sunday night right after all the games finish. And I agree with you that with the times I saw Tua playing in this game, I thought he looked very inefficient. I mean, look, this was supposed to be a smash spot for the Dolphins. And they they beat the Jets last week 20-3. to That was with Fitzpatrick under center. I thought he was pretty efficient in that game. But only 19 points against a pretty bad Bengals defense. And despite the box score that looks pretty decent for Tua – if you look at the team stats, the, the Dolphins were one for 10 on third downs. And 
you know, that kind of explains how they weren't able to get, you know, I mean, they got margin and they covered the spread. I mean, it was a big spread to begin with, but I thought that they should have won this game by more. And I'm, I'm definitely disappointed in Tua. Uh, you know, he, and, and I agree, agree with you on what I think is that you saw what he did in college. He was like a, you know, a first read type of quarterback where you design the play for him. But if a defense takes away the first read, which you're going to see a lot more in the NFL than in college, obviously, then Tua is going to struggle. He did go to Mike Kosicki because uh, Devontae Parker was getting covered by William Jackson, who's been pretty decent this year. Uh, but I don't think William Jackson is like a, a defender we want to fear in terms of shadow coverage. I think Fitzpatrick would have found Parker a lot more easily had he played in this game. We'll see how Tua's thumb is, like if he winds up questionable to start the week. Um, I, I just think the Dolphins, I mean, look, things are going to start getting real for the Dolphins now that they're, what, 8-4, and four, Sleepy, and they're, they're right in the playoff hunt. I mean, they could maybe win a playoff game or two, but I don't think they can with Fitzpatrick under center. I, I don't think he gives them enough, and I don't really think you can pull him right now because, you know, he's the future. You don't want to harm, you know, his kind of mentality and, and confidence and all that. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not impressed with what I'm seeing for Tua. Uh, Gesicki had a big game, but he's been completely boomer bust all year long. And it was nice to see Miles Gaskin at least get back to that workhorse role. He had 21 carries for 90 yards, also had two catches for 51 yards. So uh, just that's kind of my overall thoughts. And, and Brandon Allen actually left the game with a chest injury. Uh, and that's when Ryan Finley came in. But the Bengals as a whole, we all know their offensive line is terrible. They gave up six sacks in this game. Uh, Brandon Allen got sacked five times. So now, you know, they're two quarterbacks. Uh, first, it was Joe Burrow. Now, Brandon Allen, uh, they're, they're both hurt because this offensive line is so terrible, yet they keep drop, dropping back the pass so many times. So uh, if however many picks the Bengals wind up getting in the 2021 draft, as a Bengals fan myself, I hope they draft every single pick as an offensive lineman. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that with the Bungles. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to the Jags in Minnesota. This was a this was an interesting game. I actually ended up watching pretty much like the entire fourth quarter of this one. I mean, give credit where credit's due that the Jags were going ahead hanging in there. I mean, by rights, this team, you know, they, I mean, they were what, getting 10 and a half points in this game. Glennon went out. He had a half decent game, 280 yards. He had a touchdown, but he did throw two picks in this one. Uh, Cousins, you know, this is a guy that you and I talked about. You were like, oh, Cousins probably going to have a big day. And he did. He had 305 yards and three touchdowns. But, uh, you know, he put his team in in a position to where, you know, they could have lost the game when he ended up. I think he turned the ball over right there at half. Dalvin Cook, really big day. Justin Jefferson had a monster day today. I had him in my uh, I had him in my fantasy league. I had Robinson in there. I ended up taking him out. That was probably a mistake. I mean, he turned out to what have like over 100 yards and a touchdown combined, um, you know, rushing and receiving. It was a good game. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm, I'm not sold on Minnesota. Minnesota has a tough matchup next week. Um, I don't know. It was a good game. It, I, I enjoyed watching. I guess I guess I was secretly rooting for Jacksonville um, because, you know, obviously I don't want Minnesota doing anything. I don't want them playing Green Bay in the playoffs or anything like that. But uh, what did you see in that game? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, your boy, Mike Lennon, man, he's already, uh, you know, I think, uh, the coach already came out and named him the starter for week 14. So no QB controversy there, even though it seems like, uh, by all indications that Minshew is fully healthy, they're going to ride it out with Lennon at least for now. And he's, he's, he's moving the ball. He's making this offense competent, uh, to a degree. And they were able to take advantage of a, a pretty bad Vikings defense that really hasn't been able to stop anyone, whether it's on the ground or through the air. And let's say the one thing that I missed out on, this might've been one of my biggest misses uh, in terms of fantasy preseason sleepy. We both, we, we did like four or five podcasts 
breaking down our top plays at each position going into fantasy season and, and the 2020 season in general. And James Robinson's a guy that I, I just didn't give enough credit to. And I simply just watched a couple of YouTube highlights on this guy and saw him playing in college and nothing really jumped off at me. So that's me trying to be an NFL scout and judge talent based off a YouTube video. And I did not draft a single share of James Robinson in fantasy. I wound up trading for him in one of my high stakes leagues. So that's good to know. Uh, good to have at least for this year. But the guy's an absolute workhorse and he, he's getting like borderline top five usage amongst all running backs in the NFL. So if you have him on your team, you're, you're loving your status going into the fantasy playoffs. And he had six targets in this game. We talked about Mike Glennon targeting the running backs early and often, dating back to the last time he started in Chicago. He targeted guys like Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard a lot as well. And Robinson's getting getting everything. He had, he had six catches uh, for 30 receiving yards in this game. You know, it's funny. We talked about Cousins on the Player Props podcast. I said that I liked his overpassing yards and overcompletion sleepy, and he hit both of them. Uh, so if you listen to the pod and you made the you made those bets, you cashed. However, when I was going through my player props column, I backed off those to give out as my favorite plays uh, just because I worried about the, uh, the Vikings getting margin in this game and not needing to throw as much, even though Dalvin Cook wound up with 41 touches in this game, nine or, or sorry, 38 touches. He had nine targets and 32 carries overall, just absolute massive workload for Dalvin Cook. Um, and didn't even score a touchdown, but he still got you there in fantasy if you started him this week. So that's just kind of my overall thoughts there. I mean, this is Jefferson, Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. That's the entire offense right there. And as long as they're forced to put up points against their opponent, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be a pretty darn good streamer as well in fantasy and, and in DFS too. So, you know, the Vikings offense is, is firing on all cylinders right now. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can uh, compete and hang with the Bucks. They're at Tampa Bay Next week, I think the line opened at like Tampa Bay minus six and a half, but the Tampa Bay secondary has been very exploitable this season. So I do think that Jefferson and Thielen and Cousins uh, can all continue to have success in that week 14 matchup. But uh, that's, that's pretty much all I got in this game. DJ Shark came back at seven targets. He didn't really do much with them, but I think as he gets you know healthier and, and more chemistry with Glennon, we might see a little more uh, volume and just overall production from him going forward. Now, I guess my concern next week for Cook would be, you know, that massive amount of work that he ended up with this week. I mean, they had to get the win. I get it. But I just wonder, you know, is he going to be a little a little beat up and tired? Not to mention the fact that, you know, that Buccaneers defense is going to be fresh. The fact that they're, you know, coming off of a bye. And don't forget, you know, Jacksonville turned the ball over four times today. Minnesota turned it over twice, but the Jags also had 10 penalties. So, you know, the Minnesota could have easily probably end up losing that game today. Um, so, Maybe they'll be a little overrated. I don't know. I, I, this, I'm guessing this win probably won't, you know, won't hurt them in, in any way as far as, you know, the market concern being that they snuck out an overtime win. But um, I would be a little worried maybe about Dalvin Cook going into next week. Let's move over to the Raiders and the Jets. Raiders get a uh, last-minute touchdown there, too. I think it was my boy. I think Henry Ruggs was the guy that scored that last touchdown. Uh, 31-28 final for the Raiders as they throw a touchdown there on the uh, final play of the game. Derek Carr, monster day, 381, three TDs. But if you didn't have Darren Waller in your lineup, and I did have him in one of my lineups, I cashed uh, very small. I had 13 receptions, 200 yards, two TDs. I was waiting for my boy Aguilar. I had Aguilar in that lineup. I had him stacked with Waller and Carr, and uh, Aguilar didn't come through for me, but Waller had a monster day. Now I'm sitting there. I had... I think I had Perryman in that same lineup 
And then it's Crowder touchdown, Crowder touchdown. I'm like, damn it. I'm like, wrong guy. But again, you know, Sam Darnold going up against, you know, Raiders pass defense probably should have had a better day. He, he, I don't even know what they're doing. Like if the Jets don't dump him and pick up a quarterback, um, they're just out of their minds. Like they should just fold up, sell the team. And, um, you know, just, I would just fold up and maybe move to like Oklahoma City or something because Sam Darnold, and I, I tried warning people years ago that the NFL does this year after year after year. They boost up quarterbacks so they can get everybody all excited for the NFL draft, da, 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 da. and then these teams go and they pick these quarterbacks that shouldn't be picked. And Sam Darnold is, he's the poster boy for quarterbacks who are just drafted way too freaking high. Um, he's not good. I, I, I don't, if they don't go pick up Lawrence, I would be absolutely shocked, uh, but they got to get away from Darnold. Darnold is is a, more than likely probably a career backup. Um, my, you know, I ended up Chris the same lineup with Waller. I had Gore in there. I'm like, let me just go, you know, super duper contrarian. I had a feeling maybe you know some of the Jets running backs would have a, a or yeah have a decent day today. Frank Gore gets hurt on like first play of the game, but same thing happened to me last week. Um, and I think it was like two weeks ago I had that dude from. Uh, from the Chargers, he ends up getting hurt, like, first play of the game. So, I've had, like, first play of the game, uh, bad luck with some of my running backs. But Ty Johnson had a monster day today, 22 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, Raiders snuck out a win. They're going to keep their playoff hopes alive. And the Jets, I, I thought the Jets were in. I would have probably said, Chris, they were probably 90% at one point to win that game. And sure enough, you know, they end up losing. So, it is the Jets, but. What'd you see in that game? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I had Mims and Perriman stacked in a couple of DFS lineups, and you know why I didn't bring back Darren Waller? I, I don't know why I didn't. I I was trying to get a little cheaper with guys like Dallas Goddard and um, you know a few other options down there, like Anthony Ferkser was like the cheap value play, but definitely missed out on that. If you had Darren Waller in a DFS lineup, I'd be shocked if you didn't cash today. So uh, seventeen targets. You know what the thing is, is that you you want to target the slot against the Jets. And I thought about this, and I, I make like a, a, pl- a player prop hit list every week, Sleepy. And, you know, I kind of like which matchups do I want to target, which guys are getting the right usage. And I start doing my research, you know, starting on Sunday, the week before the next week's games play. And that's what I'm already doing now for week 14. But uh, I wondered about that. I, I was looking at Hunter Renfro thinking, oh, man, look at these slot receivers uh, just absolutely destroying the Jets' secondary because uh, their best cornerback, Brian Poole, who plays in the slot, he was put on IR, I think, over a month ago now. Uh, and they've been, abso- they've been absolutely torn alive there. So, But the thing is, is that a lot of times you look at teams, like, for example, with the Chiefs, you don't, you don't think of Tyree Kill as a slot receiver, but he's playing like borderline 50% of his snaps from the slot. That's why he's getting so many targets these days. So does Travis Kelsey. In this case, so does Darren Waller. He also plays a lot of uh, his snaps and routes out of the slot too. So he was the one that took advantage of this matchup here. Uh, and that was something I wish I would have been a little bit higher. I mean, we obviously had him as the top two or three tight end option in fantasy, but just, I wish I had him personally in a few more of my DFS lineups there too. So the upside we see is massive with Waller, only Travis Kelsey and George Kittle when he's healthy has that type of upside at tight end. Um, and, and, and that's pretty much all, all you can take from the Raiders in this game is that He's an elite level tight end outside of Kelsey right now. Um, you know, Ty Johnson took advantage of, of a really good matchup and the fact that Frank Gore, as you mentioned, left early in this game. And also uh, Josh Adams had eight carries for 74 yards. So these two guys combined for 30 carries for, you know, 182 yards in this game. 
Uh, will Gore be back? I, I don't know. We don't know that yet. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff is so incompetent that they're going to maybe even make this like a three-way committee, which we just don't want any part of in fantasy. So I wouldn't – I mean, at this point, if you're desperate for a running back, I think you can take a flyer on a guy like Johnson. But um, I don't know if you if you have fab you want to spend in terms of a wa- uh, waiver budget. I don't know if you want to spend too much. We did this last year. We spent a whole bunch of money on Ty Johnson when he was supposed to take over starting back duties for the Lions, and he burned everybody that paid money for him. So – I'm not going to overreact to just this one game here for the Jets backfield. And I was very disappointed by Darnold. He he gave Perryman and Mims eight targets each last week. And then this week just goes right back to Jamison Crowder. Gives him seven targets on just 23 passing attempts. Perryman, four targets. Mims, three targets. And Mims had 40 yards at the half, Sleepy. In the early slate, uh, in, including my props on the player prop column on bettingpredators.com, and then you give out your bonus best bet prop that I add to the end of the column every week. Uh, we were a combined 11 and one in the early slate. And what kept us from going 12 and 0? Adam freaking Gase and Sam freaking Darnold holding Denzel Mims under 53 and a half receiving yards. That was the only prop we lost in the early window. So we had a great start to the day. We finished 16 and five overall. So a great week overall for the player props column. And we've been getting great feedback from that and the, and the props podcast we do. So uh, you know, I'm a little bitter about the Mims loss, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, at the end of the day, how much can you invest really in an offense that's led by Adam Gase and Sam Darnold? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be going back to that well anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, one of the, I had a losing play in this one and it was Aguilar. I liked his receiving yards over, but you know, sometimes you can't get too upset when you see that the guy has, you know, the targets that are needed and, and Aguilar was highly targeted in that game. He had 11 targets, but he only had four catches, 38 yards. So. Uh, you know, you need, I needed one more catch, you know, six more yards, I would end up cashing. But you know, sometimes when you end up with losing tickets, you know, you don't feel bad because you know that you had the right side. And I knew I had the right guy in that one, but you know, I just end up, you know, I got the targets that I needed, obviously, just didn't end up getting the uh, getting the right result. Let's jump over to another game here, Chris. Let's talk about the Colts and Houston. Uh, Indy gets a, a big win here, 26 to 20. This was another one on our podcast that was, uh, pretty much unanimous. Uh, everybody kind of liked Indy. I said that was probably going to end up being the Sheep's play of the week. Uh, turned out that I heard a couple people uh, that actually were going to go ahead. They were going to back the Texans in that game. And then it turned out to where the Minnesota Vikings ended up being the Sheep because there wasn't a soul on the Jaguars. And I'm like, anybody like the Jags? Asking people. What, nobody. Nobody liked the Jags. So uh, we end up with six straight winners now uh, with our Sheep's play of the week. But the Colts get it done here in this game. 26 to 20. This was a game, Chris, that I did not want to watch because I had my biggest prop play of the year um, in this game, which is, I guess you could say it was like ultra risky. Like it would have been easier probably to take a running back or take, you know, take a quarterback to go ahead and throw over. But the play I wanted was I wanted Deshaun Watson to go ahead and throw an interception in this game. And, and luckily I got lucky and and, and that happened. I mean, I thought I had a pretty good handicap, uh, but Houston gave the Colts pretty much everything that they wanted in that game. Jonathan Taylor was somebody, a guy that somebody tried to talk me into. I backed away from him. I was a little upset about that. He ends up having a good day. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I mean, this guy's like resurrected from the dead one week, and then he's, you know, he's, he's dead the week, you know, the, the week later. So uh, who knows what you're going to get from Hilton, but he had a monster day today. Eight catches, 110 yards. Kiki QT, I had him in that lineup. I wish I could show you this lineup that I had, but I had Perryman, Booker, and Gore. They were the three guys I had. 
I had icicles on them all, and the rest of my team was just on fire. I think I had like 189 points uh, going into the 4 o'clock games. Actually, that lineup particularly was just 1 o'clock games, but I had QT in there as well, and uh, he ends up coming back. I mean, why weren't why didn't this guy get used? It's just telling you that um, that Bill O'Brien's just an absolute knucklehead. Um, the fact that QT was just sitting on the sideline all year long, um, eight catches, 141 yards. I don't know. I'm just glad. I, I, I didn't want to watch it. I was happy. I got I got my big win, my big prop win. Cash my, uh, I think I'm, I want to say 10 and three on my straight out of Vegas best bets for the year, but I cashed that one. So I was happy about that. Uh, what'd you see in that game? Yeah. Bill O'Brien's just a joke. Not, not the coach anymore, but we're seeing the guys who he held back. I mean, Kiki QT, I, I've always thought he was a very good player. I remember there was a couple seasons ago, I believe this was 2018. And I had Will Fuller as one of my main guys in my high, high stakes home fantasy league. And I had Will Fuller going, I'm like, what is Will Fuller doing? Who is this guy that Deshaun Watson's throwing to? And, and lo and behold, it was Kiki QT's first ever NFL game sleepy. He had 15 targets, 11 catches, 109 yards. And then in his first playoff game that, se- that same season, he had 14 targets, 11 catches for 110 yards, and a touchdown. And what happened? Last year, he was in the doghouse all 2019. He had a couple decent games where he had you know five, six targets here. He had one game where he had eight targets. Other than that, he wasn't seeing the field. He was even a healthy scratch in certain situations. And we saw the same thing coming into this season. I, I always never understood what, what was going on. There was something personal going on between QT and Bill O'Brien. We saw Bill O'Brien just develop these personal beefs with some of his players and, and how he traded away DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts. It, it was a joke that the fact ownership let that even happen before they wind up firing him. So that's another story for another day. But you mentioned T.Y. Hilton. And he's a guy that everyone's been dogging on this year. But, you know, don't don't look now. But the last two games, T.Y. Hilton has 16 targets, 12 catches, 191 yards, and two touchdowns. He's looking like the T.Y. Hilton of old. And possibly it's because he has someone to take attention away from him on the opposite side of the field, which is the rookie Michael Pittman who's been emerging in this offense. So the fact that T.Y. Hilton had more than double the amount of targets this week than the next guy had – and, and now we can take advantage of this Texan secondary, which has Bradley Roby out for the rest of the year. He was one of the guys that gets suspended along with Will Fuller. So this is a defense. Uh, this is a secondary specifically on the, on the defensive side for Houston. We want to attack now week in and week out with no Bradley Roby there. Uh, so very impressed with Hilton, very impressed with QT. And then Brandon cooks had a concussion. I think that's what sleepy that might be like four or five concussions for him in the last couple of years. And, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play again for the rest of this season or maybe even for the rest of his career. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate things, but uh, that's something you just don't want to mess around around with. And he's just had a, a lot of bad luck. It's unfortunate for him. He was really coming on this year uh, in that new role in Houston. Uh, you might be seeing Duke Johnson play slot receiver or almost convert to a wide receiver in this offense now. And then uh, some guy named Chad Hansen, 25-year-old from Cal, hadn't caught a pass since 2017 in his rookie year with the Jets, winds up with 100-plus yards in this game, seven targets, five catches. Is he worth an ad on the waiver wire? I mean, if you're in a super deep league like our Betting Predators Listener League, maybe he is. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. You want to stash the guy, but who knows what's going to happen with this passing offense with the Texans. They have uh, the, the Bears and then the Colts again. So tough matchups for them in the fantasy playoffs. But however, they do get – the Texans do get uh, a home game – against the Cincinnati Bengals in week 16. So 
whoever winds up emerging, especially QT, could wind up being a, a fantasy championship league winner for you if you hold on to them for that Week 16 matchup against the Bengals. Uh, other than that, I mean, that's pretty much all I got, except for the fact that Jonathan Taylor, you know, we finally got what we wanted. He's a top 10 running back going forward over his last two starts now, Sleepy. He has 35 carries for 181 yards and has caught all seven of his targets for 68 yards and a touchdown. So I, I shied away from his prop as well. I liked him rushing against the Texans, but once I saw that Jordan Wilk- Wilkins was back and healthy, I was like, oh, I'm not going to trust this hot hand backfield. But uh, Taylor has emerged now in back-to-back weeks with all three running backs healthy uh, or back-to-back games for him because he missed last week. And uh, it's looking like he's the guy moving forward. So I hope it stays that way for the Colts. That's what I was just going to ask you too, because typically I would say if this was probably like three, four weeks ago and you could have probably dumped the guy, I would wonder if you know maybe you would consider dumping Taylor after this you know, the fact that he ends up in the end zone, the fact that he ends up with, you know, over 100 yards all purpose. Now he's sharing the backfield with Wilkins back there. He's still got Naheem Hines. And we know that Rivers has, you know, a slew of targets. He's got like three tight ends, three different wide receivers. You know, would that have been, you know, a situation maybe where you where you would have dumped Taylor? I'm just curious, you know, is that is that a guy you would consider sitting or is that guy that, that you're, you're automatically just going to go ahead and play in your fantasy leagues, you know, from here on out? Well, he was a guy you were sitting uh, prior to two weeks ago with the pack. Most people had him on their benches when he went off two weeks ago against the Packers. Um, but now we saw in his first game, first game back, he was on the COVID list last week. He didn't actually have COVID. It was a close contact. I believe it was his girlfriend that had it over Thanksgiving holidays, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no, 35 carries in the last two games for 181 yards. He's getting work in the passing game as well. Jonathan Taylor is a top 10 option moving forward at the running back position in fantasy. And the, the, the buy low window on him has closed. So, you know, he's a guy personally, there's some guys I respect in the fantasy industry that were recommending to buy him low a, a couple months ago, a couple, a couple weeks ago over the last month. And I, I refuse to buy into it. Uh, but it's looking like those who did and were willing to take that risk, it's going to pay off major for them in the fantasy playoffs. All right, good stuff from Chris on that one. Let's jump over to the Rams and the Cardinals. Rams get a big win there, 38-28. to 28. Uh, Let me give credit where credit's due, Chris. You liked Murray under his rushing yards, and I was a little worried. I'm like, you know, if the Cardinals want to win this game, they got to go ahead and they got to let Murray run. Murray ran today, though. He ran five times for 15 yards, so he was well under. And his passing, I mean, what was he, 50, 52% or something in that game, only 173 yards. He had three TDs, but he needed to he needed to go ahead and run the ball. I think he needed to go ahead and open up, um, you know, at least some passing lanes, kind of throw that defense off for the Rams. But the Rams, I mean, they put up 38 points in that game. Goff had a monster day, 351 yards, one touchdown. But he was getting, you know, he was getting the guys down into the red zone. Uh, all the running backs seemed to go ahead and score today. Akers was in there. Henderson was in there. I was a little upset with Cup today. I thought Cup would go and get in the end zone. I had him in one of my leagues. Didn't happen. But he had eight catches, 73 yards. I didn't take a whole lot from that game except the fact that, you know, Arizona seems like they're starting to leak some oil here. I don't know, man. I I thought Kyler Murray probably would have ended up – I mean, I would have bet you on that one that he probably would have went over his rushing yards. I think you were right, but I think maybe this is the week where next week – I'm going to be like, no, 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 don't do it, dude. Don't do it. Uh, because I have a feeling one way or another, if they want to win games, they have to unleash Kyler Murray. So uh, maybe you cashed again for another week. That was nice. But I'm going to be, I'll be pushing back on you next week. I'll actually be begging you 
Uh, don't take that Murray under again. But what'd you see in that game? Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I, I gave it out as like more of like a lean on the uh, player props podcast that we did because you gave me the pushback and I thought about it and I thought that the fact that the Rams would get so much pressure on Kyler, I mean, they have an elite defense, defensive line, secondary, et cetera. I thought maybe that would force it and force them into some extra scrambles. But but the point that I made is is that you know, this is a long-term play for Arizona Sleepy. And and people weren't even expecting them to contend for a playoff spot this year. They're not going to risk the future of their franchise for a regular season game or even for a playoff berth this year. It's not worth it, period. Like, they don't need him to re-injure that shoulder. And if Kyler Murray can't run, I, I don't even think this is a hot take at all. He's a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL if he can't run. I mean, it's the same thing with Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's even worse for Lamar Jackson. But – if Kyler Murray cannot run, he is a bottom 10 starting quarterback in this league. 4.4 yards per attempt. He did absolutely nothing. I lucked out. I have him start. I had him starting in a league where I was six and six. I needed a win this week, and my matchup still to be determined, but I got three touchdowns from him, which was extremely lucky. And you mentioned Sleepy. The one thing that I, I push back on you and we joke about it sometimes is like, I, you know, I don't bet the touchdown props because touchdowns are so fluky. Week to week, you cannot guess who's going to trip at the one yard line. You know, who's going to run it in? Who's going to throw it in? Uh, you know, what kind of trick play a fullback or offensive lineman eligible as a receiver? A million and one things that can happen where you can be high on a guy. And, you know, C- Cooper Cup had a great game, you know, nine targets, eight catches, 73 yards. We had a double dip prop on Cup. We cashed over five and a half catches. We cashed over 63 and a half receiving yards. So if you're high on a guy because the matchup, because the usage, you want to look to those prop lines for his receptions, for his receiving yards, you know, to cash those tickets. Or maybe if, you know, you're thinking touchdown too, then I, I, I would personally rather take a flyer in, in a DFS tournament in that type of situation. But when it comes to Kyler, uh, we, you have to monitor the injury reports in, in, in practice this week because if he even starts the week one or two days with a questionable tag, that means the, the shoulder injury is still an issue. And uh, he hasn't been very efficient throwing the ball at all this year, period. But when you take away the running factor, plus a tough matchup, it's not happening, man. So I just think the Cardinals would rather have a healthy Kyler Murray 100% going into next season and finish this year 6-10 and than try to go 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, get, a, get a, one of the last playoff seeds and lose in the first round. So I think this is a long-term play for Arizona. And even if he is getting healthier week to week, I don't, I don't think they're going to force him to run at all. All right, good stuff on that game. Glad you went ahead and uh... – at least gave out some good information on that. I guess I, I kind of talked everybody out of that one. I did try to talk you uh, out of the next game here, Chris. The Giants end up getting a win there, 17-12. to 12, And I like to win Gallman today. He had a pretty good day today, 135 yards on the ground. And I liked him to go ahead and go over. I, I, once I saw Colt McCoy was going to be the quarterback, I'm like, I don't know what this team's going to do. They're going to have to at least try to give it to Gallman to go ahead and move the ball. But, I mean, the fact that Colt McCoy and the Giants – they go and they beat Seattle in Seattle. I mean, that's like a black eye right now for, for Seattle. Seattle, there's no way that, that the Seahawks should have lost that game today. Uh, Russell Wilson had 263, one touchdown, one interception. I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know who this Seahawks team is at times. Um, they haven't looked really all that good the last couple of weeks. Uh, they turned the ball over twice today. 216 yards passing, 111 yards rushing. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, it's just, it, it seemed like Wilson kind of, I don't want to say Wilson fell off a cliff, but I don't know, man. 
Like, I just worry about that team a little bit. Like, there's just something going on. And then, I, and you know what I was, you, you, one of the things that we do every week is we put out our, our look ahead lines. And I was looking and I'm like, you know what the blowout of the week's going to be? It's going to be the Seahawks next week. They're going to blow the doors off the Jets. I don't care if the line's 13 and a half. I would, I wouldn't even tease down Seattle. I wouldn't even look at the Jets being that the Jets, that, that's going to be a heartbreaker. Now they just have to go across the country to play Seattle. One thing about Pete Carroll, when he had like off of a loss and playing a team that, that he should blow out, he has no problem trying to run the score up on that team just to get his team out of that funk and be like, let's put it behind us. Let's get Wilson four touchdowns. Let's get DK and lock it. Let's get the wide receivers and the, and, and the tight ends and the running backs. So uh, be very, very careful if you guys are thinking about going ahead and taking the Jets. If there's one time that I would really consider laying you know, a, a lot of points, it would be with Seattle next week. Uh, I will go ahead and say that. I think they'll unscrew themselves. I think that's probably a, a game that's really going to help them, you know, going towards the end of the season here. But what did you see in that game, Chris? I mean, I agree with you 100%. Why would you bet your money on the Jets? I don't care if they covered the spread this week. What's their record against the spread this year? Ask yourself that question and don't put your money on the Jets. And I agree with you. I, I was looking at Seattle actually in a teaser, but I do agree with you in terms of that being a, a potential blow, uh, a blowout spot in week 14. Uh and the fact that the Seahawks are going to take advantage of this Jets secondary that's been brutalized by every single offense that they played against this year. You know, we saw what Darren Waller did against them today. We talked about that game earlier. So uh, it, here's the thing, man. The Giants defense is pretty pretty damn good, and, and they're underrated. And they have one of the top shadow coverage cornerbacks in James Bradbury. I mean, you saw what you know, Darius – you saw what DK Metcalf did to Darius Slay last week. Okay, James Bradbury, for the most part, held DK Metcalf somewhat in check this week. We hit the over on our DK Metcalf prop, which was 77 and a half. And just a quick side note, we've hit a ton of DK Metcalf over props this year. He is now officially nine and three to the over. And it's something I've mentioned since the beginning of the season. If if you see his prop line anywhere in the 70s, below 70, even high 70s, uh, we want to fire on the over almost every single week. The only times he hasn't hit that, is in matchups against Patrick Peterson and Jalen Ramsey, two of the bigger bodied shadow coverage corners in the league. So that's my note on the Seahawks. Um, so I agree with you there overall. And then, and in just in terms of the Giants, I mean, Wayne Gallman, I made this note sleeping and, and you, you definitely nailed that is that he willed this team to a win with the defense. It, it was the defense and the running back and the Seahawks had held Gallman in check uh, up until like the third quarter. And he ripped off like a 60 something yard run and then from there, you saw the Seahawks defense just start to kind of, uh, you know, let let down for that matter. But Seattle's offense couldn't do it. I mean, they, they, they still held the Giants to 17 points. The offense was four for 13 on third downs. They were 0 for 2 on fourth down conversion attempts. The Giants, you know, they had a pretty low 5.3 yards per play. The Seahawks had 4.7 yards per play. I mean, Wilson was sacked five times in this game. Uh, it's just not not good numbers all around for this Seattle Seahawks offense, even though Lockett had a decent day, Metcalf had a decent day, even Chris Carson had a decent day. Uh, they just were not able to convert third downs consistently. They were not able to score points and get into the end zone. So uh, yeah, I would just say don't underestimate the Giants defense moving forward. Uh, they're a real contender uh, to get that division. And you look at the fact that they haven't allowed more than 25 points since I believe week four or five, the, the game that Dak Prescott got hurt. 
The Giants gave up 37 to the Cowboys in that game. Since that game, the most they've given up in a single matchup has been 25 to the Buccaneers. And that was a game they almost won. They lost that game in primetime, 25 to 23. So uh, this is a good Giants defense. And surprisingly, they're actually in playoff contention in, in, in such a bad division. So uh, that's, that's just my overall thoughts in there. I, I don't want to be t- targeting too many uh, offensive players going over their totals uh, when they're playing against the Giants defense. All right, let's jump over to, I guess, let's talk more NFC East here. The Eagles and the Packers, my Green Bay Packers, get the big win there today. They get the cover, lucky cover, I will say that. Aaron Jones rips off a 77-yard run there at the end of the game uh, to go ahead and seal the win there for Green Bay. Green Bay gets a 30-16 to win. Eagles fall to 3-8. Green Bay now 9-3. Devontae Adams, the guy's just a beast. 10 catches today, 121 yards, 2 TDs. Aaron Jones. Uh, another monster day, 130. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had had a pretty good day today, 295 and three touchdowns. I guess the story of the game here, Chris, uh, really comes down to, you know, Carson Wentz getting, he gets benched today. And Jalen Hurts comes in, he throws a touchdown. He did throw an interception, but I don't want to really put that on him. I think we should probably stop, put the game aside and, and kind of, like what is going to go on in Philly? Like this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened to this team. The fact that Wentz gets benched and we, we can blame, you know, we could blame him. We could blame the coach. We could blame the offensive line. We could blame whatever we want. But the fact that Philadelphia allowed their, their franchise quarterback to be benched and for Hertz to come in and pretty much outplay him. um, It just sets up for the Eagles to, um, I hate to say it, but this team might end up in, in teardown mode because of this. Like you either stick with that guy and figure it out in the off season, but this is like the last thing that I think Philadelphia should have done, um, for the future, you know, this team for the next couple of years. So I don't know what you think about Wentz and Hurts, but, uh, just putting the game aside, Chris, like, how'd you feel about, you know, when you saw Wentz get benched and Hurts out there playing and he throws a touchdown, um, clearly, you know, if you put the two two guys on the field together, and I know Philly was, you know, they were behind by a decent amount, but it wasn't like the game was over. Um, what would you make of Hurts going out there and, and you know, playing that entire second half there? Uh, I've been waiting for it. Uh, when when I, I, people use the term broken, he looks like a broken quarterback, and he just hasn't been the same since that major injury that he had a couple years back. I know he had a pretty efficient season last year, but – uh, he, he looks terrible. Carson Wentz should have been benched even before this game, in my opinion. Uh, six for 15, average 5.3 yards per attempt. Even in a limited sample, Hurts, even though he was only 5 for 12, he averaged 9.1 yards per attempt, averaged more yards per carry as well. Uh, he just gives them you know, more explosiveness. And Wentz is just, I, I don't know what he's doing out there. I, I watched that game and it, he's overthrowing guys. He's holding on to the ball too long. He's trying to scramble when he's not even that fast anymore. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I've just not liked what I've seen out of Wentz all season long. And, and you can't blame it on anybody else at this point. Everyone's got to own up you know, to their production on the field. So uh, very disappointing to see Miles Sanders. We lost the prop. He didn't even come close. I think he finished with 10 carries, 31 yards. We had the over 61 and a half. I mean, this is a Packers defense. We want to target on the ground, but uh, with Gus Peterson running things, he was one of your frauds of the week last week on your frauds and gods column. And uh, Carson Wentz too. It's just what what can you get going? What can you get going offensively when you have both those two guys at the helm there? So hoping to see better things out of Jalen Hurts. 
And uh, it's just going to be a wait and see approach with this offense now in terms of props. We're going to take a pause for at least a week if Hertz winds up getting the start. We want to see if Dallas Goddard continues that the usage he's been getting. He's emerged as like he's basically the wide receiver one for the Eagles, but he's just listed as a tight end on the depth chart. Um, over Goddard's last four games, he has 29 targets, 21 catches, 231 yards. He's 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 the number three tight end hands down outside of Kelsey and Waller. And at this time of the year, Aaron Jones, with how efficient Aaron Rodgers has been, Aaron Jones is like matchup proof. This was supposed to be a tough matchup on the ground. And you mentioned the long run he ripped off. He had 15 carries, 130 yards, caught all three of his targets, uh, combined for his targets and carries. He had 18 opportunities total compared to just seven for Jamal Williams. So if you held on to Aaron Jones and you drafted him early, it's going to pay off in the fantasy playoffs because look at the Packers' schedule, Sleepy, over the last three weeks from you know, 14, 15, and 16 which is the the bulk of the fantasy playoffs for us. They're playing against the Lions, the Panthers, and the Titans, You know, three of the worst defenses in the league. So uh, this Packers offense, if you have any shares whatsoever, Rodgers, even Tunyon at tight end, Devontae Adams, uh, you're, you're going you're gonna to be very happy with what you get out of these guys. And we, 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 went, we went two and two on props. We lost our Boston Scott prop. That kind of you know went down the toilet once Hertz came in. He wasn't checking down to the running backs. Uh, we wound up hitting Devontae Adams over six and a half receptions. Hit Goddard over 41 and a half receiving yards. Uh, but again, just disappointed that we bet uh, two props on the Eagles running backs. And those are the two we wind up losing in the end. I think you got to go right back to, I think you got to go right back to Sanders next week. I would probably stay away from Goddard. I mean, you got to take into consideration Ertz is back. You still got Jeffrey. You still got Fulgram out there. You know, you got Rager, you got Ward. Obviously Goddard, as you had mentioned, Boston Scott's catching passes. Miles Sanders catching passes. I just think that they're, you know, there's just too much going on right now that maybe they go ahead and they let Hertz go out there and they just try to use the run game um, as much as they possibly can. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this Philly team. I, I just think you just be careful, stay the hell away from them. I think the only safe play with that team is probably Miles Sanders. And I think one of the things is, I don't know if that was necessarily the game plan was to go ahead and, and, you know, run Sanders today. But I have a feeling if, if, you know, Peterson wants to start keeping his job here, because I have a feeling that he's going to end up being on the hot seat, um, that they need to go in there with the second string quarterback and rely on the run game and just be like, you know what, we'll get what we can from like, they're not good. What, what kind of miracles are they going to perform right now uh, with the Giants winning that game today? I mean, that just puts Philly and Dallas in, in such a terrible spot to go ahead and win that division that you know, maybe they just fold it up. They just rely on the run game, keep their quarterbacks healthy. No, I want to go back to one thing, though, with with the Eagles. I mean, I guess, you know, people are like, well, why would you draft a quarterback, you know, when you have a franchise guy? Maybe, maybe, maybe Philly knew something was wrong with Wentz or maybe they, they suspected, like, look, this could happen with him. And maybe they said we we're, our best bet is probably go get another quarterback. So maybe Philly, maybe Philly was right all along. Maybe something was wrong with Wentz. Maybe they didn't think that he could perform, you know, the way that, that the way that he did in the past. And maybe it's just proven to be right. And it's like, you know, thank God we went and we went out and got a quarterback. So maybe they were right. But you know, for me, you know, I watch that team each and every week. And I'll tell you right now, um, if you want to talk worst offensive lines in the league, Philadelphia. Bengals, they're they got to be one and two. I mean, that Philadelphia offensive line is just absolutely brutal. I don't care who you put back there. If you put Mahomes back there, 
um, they're, they're probably not going to win more than eight games with him even as quarterback because that offensive line, they don't, they give you absolutely no time. So that's a story for another day. I mean, and just, yeah. And that just goes to the fact sleepy that this is like the, the specific situation benefits them with Hertz because he's the more mobile guy, you know, he can run around, he can get out of that pressure in the backfield and, that's pretty much what they need. I mean, we see Arizona's offense, the way it looks without Kyler Murray running the ball. We talked about that already. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. If you put Wentz back behind a really solid offensive line, maybe he's a halfway decent quarterback. Um, but the this, this situation right now is just not going to happen with Carson Wentz. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I just personally, I just don't think he's the franchise guy uh, at all anymore. He's done. I mean, they got, they, they got to eat it. They, they gave him a bad contract. They're going to have to eat the money the cap hit, all that stuff. They, they just have to eat it and hope that it works out with Hertz. And if not, then it's going to be a couple really, really bad years in Philly over the next few seasons. Well, I'll make a prediction. If Wentz somehow can get out of Philadelphia, he'll be in the playoffs with another team because I, I watched enough of Carson Wentz over you know the last couple of years that I'll more than likely I'll, I'll be disagreeing with you on that. Uh, Wentz will... If you give him a competent team, uh, he'll be able to take them to uh, to the playoffs. I mean, that dude just he he needs a, a, an offense that just that, that's not constantly hurt. I mean, he's when has he had a a healthy wide receiver core? He hasn't had one all year long. So, um, and I know people are on both sides of the aisle, and don't get me wrong. Like I've watched Wentz go out there, and it's like, well, you're rushing, dude. Like, and I get it. Like, you know, sometimes when your offensive line is just that bad. You know, you go out there and you rush, and it's like, I get rid of the ball. I don't want to get killed. Get rid of the ball. I don't want to get killed. You know, trying to make plays that, you know, you're you're trying to be Superman, and you know, you you got you know guys out there that you haven't thrown the ball to, you know, all year long, or you know, that haven't really been in the offense that long. So, I just think, I think you know, this sets up for, and you're right though, Chris. Like, you they needed a mobile quarterback with this type of offense, and I think that's one of the things that they were trying to get Wentz to do. You know, they, they wanted him to roll out, and it was like, well, Peterson wasn't calling for, for Wentz to roll out of the pocket a lot. But with, with Hertz, it it didn't seem like he hesitated at all today to go ahead and take off and run. So uh, we'll see. But, I, you know, I, I one, I worry for, for Hertz that, you know, one, hopefully he doesn't get hurt, but I think that he's going to end up falling into kind of understanding what Wentz was, was dealing with out there and – I guess you could say in the second half of that Green Bay game, we saw, you know, touches of it. He was sacked three times. He threw an interception. So uh, we'll see. But I would stay away from Philadelphia. That's for damn sure when it comes to anything player prop-wise, except for probably Miles Sanders. Let's jump over to this one. This was a shocker today, Chris. Patriots 45, Chargers 0. Cam Newton throws for 69 yards. I was dead wrong on that. I was like, ah, maybe, maybe Cam will come out and uh, have a pretty good game today throwing the football. I mean, he – I don't even know what to make of this guy. You know, I don't even want to talk about this game because there's really nothing to talk about. I'll let you talk about it, Chris. Patriots get the win there, 45-9. What'd you see? I mean, you know, Cam's a running back. That's what he is right now. He's a running back. He had 14 carries for 48 yards. If you combine him, Sony Michelle, and Damian Harris, they combine 40 carries for 163 yards. And I mentioned a few times on the podcast this past week was that the Chargers are like a bottom five run defense right now. So I knew the Patriots were going to come out and try to run the ball down their throats. I thought the Chargers offense would be a little more competitive. And in hindsight's 2020, man, we could always look back and say, oh, I knew this was going to happen. You know, I pers personally, hindsight for me was like, man, 
How did I not see the the biggest coaching mismatch of the year with Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn, you know, coming in this game? And it didn't surprise me to see what wind up happening. I mean, Austin Eckler was limited. Keenan Allen was limited. Justin Herbert had the worst game of his career by far. I mean, you know, so what? I mean, Herbert's looked great in all the other games he's played. And, you know, he, he's a tough guy. He's going to bounce back from this. But uh, Bill Belichick won this game. Uh, no matter who he had on his roster, he was going to own Anthony Lynn and own the rookie quarterback. And that and that's a staple of what he does best. So we want to target starting running backs going against the Chargers for the rest of the year. Um, personally, for me, I mentioned this sleepy on the player props podcast is that I try to avoid props on New England games in general because I just never know what Bill Belichick's going to try to take away. And Lo and behold, he took away everything this week. So we didn't want to bet. If anything, we just should have bet unders on everything, you know? So uh, it's just not something I'm going to try to guess week in and week out because, you know, who knows what the Patriots are going to wind up doing next week. They're at the Rams, you know? So they're going to take away Cup. They're going to take away Woods. Uh, I I don't know. That remains to be seen. But that's kind of just my overall takeaway. And uh, I don't know if it's Eckler, uh, if it was just like a game script being blown out, but Kalen Balazs did not play last week when Eckler had his career high in touches. However, this week, Kalen Balazs played. He had seven carries and four targets. That might not seem like much, but if he gets that type of weekly usage in this offense, uh, that could limit Eckler as being like a borderline top five option, maybe bumps him down to like low end RB1 status in fantasy not too big of a change, but just something I've got my eye on. I've got to dive deep into the snaps and usage a little bit more for this game. But uh, other than that, man, oh, you meant, and we'll bring this up now, Sleepy, since it's the last game we're going to talk about on the main slate, is uh, the Look Ahead Lines article. We put it out late tonight. Uh, you had your Look Ahead Line as Atlanta uh, at the Chargers next week, and you think there's value on the Chargers, so you can talk about that. I forgot to mention mine earlier. I added my own Look Ahead Line, which is going to be the Colts right now, I bet online, they're minus two and a half at Las Vegas. Uh, so I really like getting value on the Colts at less than three right now. If you can still get that when you listen to this, um, you can find the article on the bettingpredators.com homepage. We've got all of our other weekly content on there. Um, so so anyways, yeah, you could talk about that. And then just for me, because I, 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 I just I hit my best bet with the Colts. We had, a lot of us were on the Colts on the podcast this past week. Uh, they, they you know obviously covered the minus three at Houston. I think this matchup here, if you actually look at the standings, not to get too off track, but the Colts are eight and four. The Raiders are seven and five. If the playoffs started today, the Colts would have the last wild card spot in the AFC one game ahead of Las Vegas. So I think the, the Raiders coming off this miracle win and the Colts coming off a tough division win, I think they take care of business and get another win on the road. So I like the, the Colts minus two and a half at Las Vegas. Uh, and then you said, you mentioned that you like not only the Chargers plus two and a half potentially in this spot, but also that you like the under in terms of Atlanta and Atlanta at Los Angeles in week 14. I actually like the over in that game. And I, I think it's for, let me, I'll make a case. I think next week is going to be important. Well, I think actually tomorrow is going to be kind of important. I'm pretty sure Chris, that you would agree with me that Anthony Lynn is, is on the hot seat, whether he gets fired or whether he doesn't. But let's just take the Chargers side into consideration. And this is kind of a a look ahead for next week. You know, generally you want to go ahead and you want to play on teams that are that are coming off of a blowout loss. And this was an ugly loss. But let's not throw shade on, you know, the Chargers team as a whole. They have a good quarterback. They have a good running back. Um, They have good wide receivers and tight ends like that offense can put up points. And I think that Atlanta 
you know, going on the road is just sometimes it's not a good it's not a good a good spot for them. I think you're going to see a lot of people, Chris, probably on Atlanta. But let's say Lynn doesn't get fired. Let's just say he doesn't. And let's say like the, the players are, are OK with him, like maybe they like him. Maybe, maybe he's a, a player's coach. I don't know. But if if the players know you know, coming off of a loss where they embarrassed themselves. I don't think that that had anything to do um, with the coaching, you know, in that game that, that it turned out to be that bad. Like at some point, you know, you could be like, all right, well, you're an idiot, you know, for making that call, this call, that call. But when your special teams is, is falling apart and, and the defense is scoring and guys are running back punts and this, that, and the other, like that's team, you know, that's not just not the head coach. So I think one way or another, if, if the, if the players are cool with Lynn, then they're going to be like, you know what? We got to step up for this guy for one more week. Whatever happens, he might be gone. Let's just go out and, and go out there and play our rear ends off. I think there's value on the charges. I think that line probably comes down. If Lynn is um, the side, if Lynn is on the sideline and he doesn't get fired, I think that line will probably come down. Now, let's say he gets, let's say he, I don't want to say he gets fired. Let's just say he's still on the sideline. I think there's a chance that the over gets hit even easier. I think that's probably the better bet. So, it, well, look, let's say Lynn does get fired, right? Well, maybe that maybe maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the players aren't bought into him. Maybe they are really excited. And maybe they come out and they're like, you know what, we need to, we need to pick up our effort. I think one way or another, like Lynn being on the sideline next week could help the, it could help it could certainly help the side and Lynn being fired could certainly help the side. But I think the best play is if Lynn is on the sideline next week, just auto bet the over. Bet it now. It's probably going to end up going up. And here's something that a lot of people are going to disagree with what I'm going to say, but but I, I, I'm i thinking about it as a realist. This is a multi-multi-million dollar business. These guys are cashing paychecks that are millions of dollars. And not only that's the players, but that's the coaches. And it's funny that the Chargers are playing Atlanta. And I've been trying to say this for weeks. Like, how does Raheem Morris have a defense that ranked 31st in the league for week after week after week after week after week? Dan Quinn gets fired. And that defensive coordinator ends up being the head coach. And all of a sudden, that defense... It just turns around. It's like, boom. Well, where was this defense all year? Raheem Morris might have just been calling the worst defenses that he could have possibly called just because he knew that if Dan Quinn got fired or maybe he helped him get out the door, that he was going to end up getting that job. So don't be shocked if Anthony Lynn is on the sideline next week that Gus Bradley is just like, I'm going to call the worst defense I could possibly call because this guy more than likely might get fired this week and I might end up being the interim head coach. So if Lynn is on the sideline next week, I would just auto bet the over because I think Gus Bradley probably might do the same thing. But I think even without that angle that this game probably still goes over. But I think if Lynn is on the sideline, you have to bet the over in that game. That would probably be one of my strongest totals of the year um, by far. But that's just something that 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 tends to happen, Chris. And it's sad. But again, this is a multi-million dollar business. It's cutthroat at times. So I don't know how you feel about that angle, but I think if Lynn is on that sideline, I think you have to be concerned about that Chargers defense. Gus Bradley maybe just sitting out there just going, 
it, it's only a matter of time before this guy gets axed and I might end up getting, you know, my second gig here. I uh, mean, I, I love it, man. Like when I, when I first read it, when you sent me your look ahead line for week 14 and I, I, I edit all the articles that go on the site and I, I kind of laugh a little bit, but then I was like, man, I was like, you have a point there because what happened with Atlanta, it's like, doesn't make sense of how good their defense looks now, uh, you know, in these last couple of weeks of Raheem Morris. So it makes sense, man. I mean, and this is another reason why I enjoy reading your your frauds and gods column every week. And you kind of made like a half joke that's like, oh, it's kind of like you're just your your list of like conspiracy theories mixed into your overall thoughts of the week. But you did mention the fact the fact the like two weeks before the Ravens had the COVID outbreak, you said that you thought it was going to happen because of that weather game they had. And you bring up a good point here. So I I think you do make good points on some of these things that some people might be like, oh, you can't say that, but when you look at it, you know, you look back at it at the end of the day, you're like, man, that was right. So uh, I, I do, I do agree with what you're saying. I think that absolutely could be a human element to it. Um, the fact that like no one respects the head coach, not even like his assistants and the players. So it's like, you get like the double edge when the coach leaves, it's like the, um, the players get the extra confidence and then the assistant coaches try even harder. So I mean, I could definitely see that happening here with Anthony Lynn with the chargers and I agree with you. I, I just, while you were talking, I just made a bet on the over uh, for uh, Atlanta at the Chargers. I bet online, it's at 49 and a half is what I got it at. So, I mean, look, the Patriots just put up 45 points by themselves. And if Julio Jones is going to be fully healthy in this matchup, then I think him and Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan are all going to have pretty damn good days in this matchup. And the Chargers against a pass funnel Falcons defense, uh, let's just say that's another game we could be attacking with a lot of props. Uh, for bounce back spots, uh, maybe we get some deflated numbers for guys like Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, after having a down game here uh, where they have a, a very good get right spot against Atlanta. So agree with everything you said. Another reason for people to check out bettingpredators.com. If you just go to the homepage right now, you'll see all the articles we put out on a weekly basis. We're typically putting out like six to seven fantasy articles a week. I do uh, weekly rankings, waiver wire rankings, and rest of season rankings in addition to a whole bunch of other stuff. My, my player props column, Sleepy does his look ahead lines. He does his frauds and gods, kind of like a calm opinion piece. We have Smooth that does his matchup breakdowns. Just a ton of stuff on there. Go to the homepage, subscribe to the site, check it out. But uh, good points all around. And I uh, definitely think there's a ton of value. Agree with you 100% on that over 49 or 49 and a half in that game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if you see a lot of pro handicappers probably going after that total next week. That, that More than likely, Chris, that, that's probably going to close 51 and a half, 52. Uh, I don't see how the hell that goes down. Uh, one other thing that I will do, uh, you and I had talked about, is uh, me going ahead putting out an article for um, guys to go ahead and score a touchdown. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, it, th- this is our first year, Chris, so we're, we're kind of just getting into the groove of, you know, what we're going to end up doing probably for next year. We'll be super duper tight next year. You know, we'll, we'll have everything figured out, a little bit of a routine. But uh, that's something I'll probably do for you guys for the last couple of weeks. I'll just throw a little article together with some of the touchdown guys that I think will end up scoring a touchdown. Cause you know, I mean, Chris and I do our, our money picks pot. I, I always talk about guys scoring touchdowns and I had a couple today, uh, a couple that didn't cash, but uh, we'll probably end up, you know, probably down a little bit, but they're fun bets to make. It's not something that, you know, that I would be throwing the house on, but um, those will be fun. So you guys could probably expect that from me uh, this week. Been talking to Jay smooth a lot lately. Been talking to Dan, uncle Dave, uh, we're looking to go ahead and do some college basketball, college football combo pods. And uh, we're going to end up more than likely, uh, I talked to Jay Smooth for a little bit. Uh, he knows the NBA inside and out. That dude, he he knows a lot about the NBA. 
Um, I would compare him to like, you know, Chris's knowledge, like when it comes to, you know, player props, like if I need to know anything about player props, anything about anything DFS, like Chris is my go-to guy, uh, Jay Smoothie, like I talked to him last night, probably for like three hours on the phone and we were just going through like NBA type stuff, just talking about uh, different weird type of things with COVID and all that stuff like that. So uh, more than likely, uh, we're probably going to end up doing like a, a, a nightly pod a couple of days out of the week. And then Uncle Dave and I are probably going to do like a morning pod a couple of days out of the week. And that'll just be pretty much just all NBA stuff. So you guys will be getting NBA stuff um, for the for the early lines. And then you'll be getting NBA stuff probably, you know, the next morning for myself and Uncle Dave. So uh, I'm excited about that. And then we'll see what Chris is going to do because uh, I get, I know Chris likes basketball. So I'll drag him into the I'll drag him into the oh, yeah. into the pool uh, some way, somehow. But that'll wrap up our. You can, you can count me in that sleepy just to butt in is like you can definitely count me in for some NBA stuff this year. And just for people listening, I've had a lot of people ask me. I was doing a lot of golf content on the site, uh, looking at like uh, different strokes gain type of metrics and statistics uh, for making bets each weekend. That's something I had to completely push to the side once fantasy football and NFL started. So I'll be getting into doing some articles on some weekend tournaments and stuff like that once uh, once the NFL season's completely over with. But once the fantasy season's over with in week 16 uh you know and sleepy you and i have talked about it a bit on this podcast as well as doing like a dfs uh podcast uh just for the remainder of the nfl playoffs and the super bowl and i'm sure we're gonna have a, a ton of we're gonna have a ton of prop stuff for the super bowl and for the playoffs so continue to expect my weekly player props column uh, we put out our dfs top plays where sleepy and i give out our top plays together each week that'll continue through the super bowl as well and I will be doing a lot of off-season fantasy football content for uh, dynasty leagues. I'll be doing dynasty rankings uh, and a lot of like preseason stuff to get you prepared for the NFL draft uh, as well as for the season. And I'm sure that Dan might chip in with some NFL draft stuff as well. I know he's big into that too. So uh, yeah, you can probably count me in for a little bit of NBA stuff for now. Uh, a lot of fantasy stuff, you know, year round, twenty four seven. A lot of prop stuff and uh, maybe some golf stuff too. So it's going to be exciting. And like Sleepy said, we're going to have a really uh, t- tight-knit schedule with some new guys joining the team over the offseason. And, you know, we're putting out what Sleepy – we're putting out like close to 10 articles a week right now. Uh, that might be close to double that next year for football season. And we might be having some type of special like uh, personalized service for subscribers. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit as the season ends as we start to kind of plan things out for the future of bettingpredators.com. But uh, having said that, you know, we appreciate everyone's support. We've had so much great feedback on Twitter. Uh, on social media, on the website, et cetera, and on the podcast. And uh, we appreciate anyone who shares, anyone who listens, anyone anyone who subscribes. We appreciate every single second of it. And uh, we just look forward to continuing to build this thing into something special. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up the pod and we'll get ready to uh, probably have another special week next week. I think we're going to do well. I think we've had two really, really good weeks, Chris, prop-wise. And uh, our Wednesday our Wednesday picks have actually been been really good. We got to get Dan to go ahead and update that sheet, see how we actually did. But uh, that'll wrap up the pod, guys. You guys can find me on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame. You can get Chris at Mad Journalist. It is M A D D Journalist, and you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Hope you guys did well this last week here, and hopefully we'll go ahead and do well again next week. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.